Welcome back to Seek the Joy podcast. Happy Seek the Joy Tuesday. On today's episode is Charlotte Hames, the founder of Women Making Waves, a global community of women who aspire to show up as their true selves and who define success on their own terms. Women Making Waves is an online platform that seeks to inspire, connect, and empower women to believe in themselves. On their platform, you can share your story, read up on their blog, and learn more about and attend events that Charlotte and her team host. I really admire Charlotte and the message she's spreading. I was so happy and excited to have her on the podcast, and it was wonderful to connect with someone who was also on a journey towards greater vulnerability and courage. From the emphasis on storytelling to the thought leaders that have had such a strong impact on her life and her mission, we have a lot in common, and you'll hear it on today's episode. Her mission and work remind me so much of what I'm doing with Seek the Joy podcast and the personal journey that I'm on. And on today's episode, we dive deep into vulnerability what that really means, and how by pushing past the discomfort, because trust me, there's a lot of discomfort, you get to the real magic. There's this quote on her website that I want to share with you, and it says, I want to lift the heavy weight of social pressures to get to the core of who we are. How cool is that? It just really sums up this conversation and Charlotte's mission and the message that she's spreading with her platform and her story is so honest and relatable. I know you're going to enjoy today's episode. I'm I'm so grateful that she came on the podcast. As always, to learn more about today's episode, head over to the show notes section of the website, seekthejoypodcast.com forward slash show dash notes. And check out Women Making Waves and join Charlotte in making waves in your life on your terms. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Charlotte. My name is Charlotte Hames, and I'm the founder of Women Making Waves, which is a global community that I created for women to show up as their true selves. Uh, and I, so I'm I'm actually American, but I've been living in Paris for the last six years. Uh, yeah, I grew up in New York in this uh, small French community. Sounds a bit odd, but yeah, small French community outside of New York City. And I worked for a French company in New York for a while, and that's what brought me to Paris. And since then, I I met my my husband. And uh, we've kind of settled down here in Paris. That's so. That's really cool. So, do you have a French background, or your parents from from France? Or? Yeah. So my dad's American. He's he's from New York, and my mom my mom's French. My mom moved to New York in the seventies. I think she just like needed a change of scenery. She had been recently divorced and packed up her stuff and moved without a job, and just kind of figured out her life. And my dad, a few years later, and that's that. That's. I think that's sort of cool. You sort of did the reverse of what your mom of what your mom Absolutely. did. I even I even took her furniture back. She had oh like bought old Louis Vuitton um what do you call it? They call it a mal in French, this trunk, big old trunk that I think she got for the equivalent of like twenty dollars at a flea market and this old pretty like cool orange lamp and it was sitting in my parents attic for like the longest time because they made they could make no use of it in their in their house and I was like you know what I am going to bring this back with me to Paris I had nothing to bring I was the company had given me like a lot of space to like move stuff and I was like I have nothing so I was like I'm going to take these two things back it's funny so they've in the span of 40 years they've um they've crossed the ocean twice (laughs) that is so cool so what really inspired you to start women making waves I was working in the luxury industry for about about, I think a good 10 years. I started in New York and then, um, I moved to Paris or for a job opportunity. And over the last few years in Paris, that, uh, corporate environment, that particular environment was, was difficult. It was really difficult for me. And I am French, but I don't think that culturally I am. And I don't know if it's a French thing or not. That's kind of like my take on it. Um, it was hard for me to adapt and I wasn't like straight out of school. Like I had already worked. So it's not like I could, could, you know, completely change who I was. It was very political. So after a while I was like, maybe it's the size of the company. So I went from this massive company with like 10,000 employees to a smaller French company. So I stayed in a I mean, being in France, it's hard to find companies that are not French. And also, even if they're not French, they tend to still have very Franco-French cultures and environments. So I went to a smaller French company, 
it was better. The culture was more relaxed, but it was still, it was still a very political environment. And I'm, it's not in my nature. I I like doing work. I'm a doer. I'm, I'm a thinker and a doer. And I like to focus on the work. I don't like to focus on playing games and I'm just not good at it. (laughs) But it took me a while to come to terms with that. So that's really interesting. So is that really what inspired you to kind of branch off on your own? So, yes. So I had been working in the luxury industry for the last five years. Um, It was very hard. And I... I don't know that I was doing it deliberately or not, but I, I needed to, I didn't have mentors. I didn't have, I had some friends that I could obviously like, you know, vent to, and we would, you know, uh, my friends felt the same way as well. Cause they were mostly friends from, from the United States, but I basically needed an outlet and I turned to social media. I turned to YouTube. Um, and I discovered Brene Brown and she, there's many other thought leaders that I that I followed, but Brene Brown was pretty much the person that kind of changed everything for me. So for those of you who don't know her, or if you don't know her, her name, um, she's a social scientist and she's done now, I think 16 years of research on shame, vulnerability, empathy, basically what I consider these like um, taboo emotions that our culture does really want to talk about. And this was mind blowing stuff as I was working and literally living an experience where I felt like I wasn't allowed to be vulnerable, to, um, be the best version of myself. And I was very hard on myself. It wasn't just the company that I worked for, but still, I was in a culture where they were asking us to be creative, to come up with the best product concepts. And yet everyone had a knot in their stomach walking into the office. And I just thought that how ironic is that, you know, how you're asking us to be creative, but you're not fostering an environment that allows you to be creative. So I think that was the beginning. And then uh, of it all, of me thinking about, you know, not necessarily what I would do next, but this was the stuff when I wasn't at work, this was the stuff that I was reading, that I was listening to. And it wasn't just Brene Brown. I, you know, there was Elizabeth Gilbert, um, Tony Robbins, Seth Godin, I mean, tons of them. And I'm not a big, I'm not an avid reader, but it, I, I don't know. I just kind of like felt like this is my thing. Yeah. Um, you guys are my tribe or I want to be part of your tribe. <laughs> and, and when I, when I changed companies, when I thought that moving to a smaller company would really help, um, or, you know, I'd feel better in that kind of environment and it still wasn't working out. Yeah. I, that was hard. And I was like, well, what am I going to do now? And, and so initially I was like, okay, I'm going to create this. The time there was some co-working spaces for women that were popping up in the United States and in England. And I was like, oh, well, there's nothing like that in Paris. Maybe I should do that. But it was this massive project that needed a lot of financial backing. And I was like, whoa, I just need to express this creative thing that I have within me. That's just like burning inside of me. And I don't want to spend the next two, three years trying to like find the money. I just want to, I just want to do this. I want to help other people. I discovered these wonderful things through Brene Brown and all these other thought leaders. I want to, I want to give this back. Um, and so I scaled my, I scaled the project back. Um, and I decided that I would create a safe space, um, online and through local events. Um, but basically a space where I could be myself without feeling I had to fit, fit in or mold myself to an existing culture, um, and allow other women to, to feel that way as well. I don't even know where to start in my response, because first of all, I connect so much to when you were talking about Brene Brown, because she has been a huge inspiration for me too. And, and, um, moving from a space of fearing vulnerability and, and then accepting it and embracing it, especially with this podcast. And, and so I love to hear when someone else has been touched by either her or another person in that space who has such a wide impact. And what I think is so cool about a Brene Brown or anyone else in that space is they touch so many people and then those people go off and do things because they're inspired by their work and they want to touch others. And it sounds like that's exactly what you've done and what you want to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, I didn't know that you were also touched by, by Brene Brown's work. I mean, I think her, her research is just, it's just mind blowing. I mean, and I know other people have been touched, but it's also, I have that same feeling that you have, like when someone else loves something that you love, yeah. you love, it does, it's not every day that I, that I meet people like that. So it's, um, it's comforting to know that there are other people out there that, uh, yeah. know that this is the way, um, for me, at least it was the only way I had to turn in and look at myself, give myself a real hard look and be like, Charlotte, 
if you're not, the one thing I didn't mention, because I mean, the story that I'm telling, I could tell it in so many different ways. And right, of course, one thing that I did not include, and I should say, is that by the time I was about to leave that second company, there was a span of about eight months where I wasn't sleeping anymore. And that insomnia was, I never dealt with insomnia. I mean, there were nights where I'd be stressed out and I wouldn't sleep much, but not to the point where it was frequent, like on a weekly basis, not sleeping one or two nights a week. And that's what it was. And every week, I mean, there'd be a good two nights where I would not get a single like shut up. And I actually think there was a discussion between Brene Brown and Oprah. I think it was on Super Soul Sunday. Yeah. I mean, I eat this stuff up. <laughs> um, You're in the right place. <laughs> I, it might have been. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it might have been Oprah who had said something about your body always keeping tabs on you. If, mm-hmm. if you're not like consciously keeping tabs on yourself, your body will. And I so relate to that because when the insomnia kicked in, I, when it happened, I wasn't realizing it, but in retrospect, it, it very much was my body telling me, hold on a second. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, are miserable. I mean, there'd be so many meetings where I just stare out the window. I wasn't there. I think it was a burnout. I wasn't officially diagnosed as anything. I just, Mm -hmm. you know, um, realized on my own that things needed to change. And my husband was a a huge part of that. He was like, if you don't leave, you need to realize at least that you're ruining this relationship of ours and you're, you're, you're extremely unhappy. So I left and I left without a plan. And then, and then women making waves kind of creatively, came out of me (laughs) because of this burnt to like change myself alongside other women. That's, that's a really interesting. And I think it's going to be a really inspiring story for a lot of people because your body will manifest what is going on for you emotionally and psychologically without you even realizing it. And that's something that I've learned, I think sort of the hard way as well. And so when you're not in touch with your emotions or how you're really feeling and you're kind of stuffing it down, your body will be like, no, excuse me, we're not going to ignore this. This isn't, this isn't compatible for you. This isn't working. And so I think it's really interesting that you had that extreme insomnia. And then from there, it was like, you kind of put your hands up and you're like, I can't do this anymore. And so I love how women making waves really was born, was really born out of that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's taking a lot of twists and turns, you know, using my voice, expressing myself is not something that I was, I'm just writing an article about this too right now. And, and, and that's what it's about. Like I'm not naturally someone who, you know, goes out and puts herself on the world. Like being vulnerable is not the way I was raised. It was not the way I was educated. It's not the way, um, I was told to be in the workplace, certainly not. (laughs) And so, yeah, so women making waves has been around for about eight, nine months now. Um, it's taken me a lot of, a lot of twists and turns into figuring out what's the message that I'm going to send out. But I keep coming back to this idea that we need to show up as ourselves. And to do that is to share, our stories and our stories of truth. And those can be about our struggles. They could also be about the positive sides though. I think the stigma in our culture is more to deny the struggle than it is to deny our stories of joy and happiness. Yeah, absolutely. And and so it's to share those stories, the ones that are, you know, sometimes we don't even have an outcome yet. And I'm, and I'm totally fine with that. Like talking about our stories of uncertainty, not knowing what tomorrow is going to look like and building a community, you know, built on empathy through these shared stories. So that's, that's my goal, uh, right now with women making waves and and these stories that we're sharing. Uh, you and I are very similar in the sense that, uh, for me, a huge emphasis is about the storytelling and and by getting to the truth of who you are, you can really be authentic and create those connections that I think build all of us up and allow us to move forward Absolutely. in a space of vulnerability because very similar to you, being vulnerable is not something that's my default or um, something that feels natural to me. It's been something I've had to really work on with both my family and my friends and, and in life in general. And so when I come across other women who have similar experiences, and then want to break past that because I think the key is the willingness and the desire to break past those patterns and and enter into a space of vulnerability so you can have those connections. And, and I really think more people are moving in that direction. So it's interesting that you say that. I think, how do I respond to that? I, <laughs> I don't want to make any generalizations. I get the yeah. sense just now being immersed in both American and French cultures that in the United States... But it, I, you know, I, what am I? I don't have like stats or anything on people, but no, but you, you do talk I to do people feel like, and, the, you know, you have, I think you have an international more, perspective. At least I'm seeing it more in the media. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I do think that the way, uh, yeah, I am seeing a lot more, you know, media channels talking about vulnerable, talking about our struggles and our failures, um, more so in the Anglo-Saxon cultures. I'm not just going to say the United States because that isn't true just for right. the U.S. I've seen it in, you know, English media, Australian media. Um, in France, so it's tricky. It's tricky to do what I'm doing in France. Um, even though I position myself as a global community, I physically am living in Paris. I don't, you hear a lot of people who burn out, you know, from working in environments that don't meet their needs. You talk about a lot of, there's a lot of coaching in the startup world. They do talk about failure, but it's not really widespread and it's not the kind of thing that people openly talk about amongst friends. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a, it's a very, very coded culture. So, um, sorry, I think I was just piggybacking on what you had just said about being vulnerable, being vulnerable, being a discussion that's being more widely discussed. It's, I, I think it's true in the Anglo-Saxon cultures, at least from what I've seen personally. Um, but in France, it's tricky talking about it. Um, and because it's just not, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's just starting. Let's just put it that way. It's just yeah. starting. And so I think that my role with women making waves, at least in France and perhaps in even other European countries, um, is maybe to do a little bit more of explaining. Cause sometimes I feel like I jump into talks about being vulnerable, assuming that people get it and they don't. They don't even know what it is to be vulnerable. I think they still see it as weakness the way it, you know, it was formally understood as. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because you're right. There is a difference given which country or where you are positioned in the world. And I think my view is definitely uh, primarily that Anglo-Saxon point of view and, and what it is that I'm immersed in and exposed to. So I think I think you're right. I think maybe on an international scale, uh, it it's something that people are just still learning about. And you're in France and in Paris. And so for you, you know, you're sort of right on the ground with people and seeing, you know, what their response and reaction and understanding understanding is to, is to vulnerability. And, and that's a really good point that I think it depends on, on where you're positioned in the world and, and what you're exposed to. That's, that's a really good point. Obviously with that international perspective, I think it has to have been a really interesting journey for you in the last nine months or so, really creating women making waves and, and seeing it grow. What has that experience been like for you? Well, I've been growing with it. It's not like I had a very specific plan and then I executed on it with a tight business plan. I was right. like, okay, I'm going to start imperfectly, which in itself myself to be vulnerable, but scary as yeah, totally. <laughs> Very scary. It's been an experience of personal growth, to be honest. That's been the first thing. Be even putting on paper. I mean, it's not even paper, but creating a website. I didn't even think that I was capable of doing something like that. So there was the process of creation that was uh, very difficult in the beginning. Um, and then, you know, when I look back, I think there's, I, I hate always quoting Steve Jobs, but he has like these great quotes. Um, and he once said, I think it was at some university's commencement that you can't connect the dots looking forward, but only looking backwards or something along those lines. And I think it's very much true when I look at women making waves, even though today I still can't fully see the light at the end of the, at the end of the tunnel, I do look back on these nine months as well. Well, I've created a platform, a website social media accounts. I've now interviewed nearly 20 women who've opened up about their, uh, their stories of shame, of fear, of sadness, of grief, of loss, of dealing with different issues, um, allowing themselves to be vulnerable. I've now hosted a few events. Uh, so I tend to always see my glass half empty, but I think maybe this is the time for me to say I'm, I'm proud. I'm proud of what I've started to, to build. Um, and the journey is uncomfortable. Um, but I'm learning again alongside, uh, well, through Brene Brown's work to, you know, handle this discomfort in a different way and just kind of accept it. Like there's no fighting it. Um, I think in the past I probably was the kind of person who would always try to make it look like I was winning or I was going to, you know, I don't know, show that I was invincible. Like I don't have any struggles, uh, you know, but, you know, wearing my mask of perfection. Anyway, I can't turn back to my former career. So mm. I am already where I am and I can't force the future to happen. So it, it is what it is. 
Um, but I enjoy it. Um, and it's sometimes uncomfortable, but it's, I'm learning to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. I love what you said about you, that you've been growing with it as women making waves is growing, you're growing with it. And I think that's what is so cool about your platform and the work that you're doing, because it requires you to evolve with the work and to grow with it. What do you think you've learned the most about yourself going through this process? It's not as scary as we think it is, uh, or at least I'll speak for myself. I thought that it would be scarier to go through this creative process. It's really not as scary. No one's really waiting for you to do anything. And even if you're not meeting the expectations that you've set for yourself or what you think other people are setting for you, you can't, how do I say this? You can't improve or you can't know whether it's worth doing or not without doing it anyway. So <laughs> I think there's two things I'm trying to say. I've learned that in these moments of where I'm scared beyond belief to the point where need to keep doing because that's the only way that I'll know whether it was worth doing or not. And I'll learn regardless whether it fails or succeeds. Um, and I think, yeah, the other thing is as you're doing, it's not as scary as we think it is. Um, I'm sure there's plenty of other things that I could say. I probably, I, I had talking points that I'm not even referring back to them, but I, those <laughs> are like intuitively the two things that, that come to mind. That makes a ton of sense understanding and realizing for yourself that it's not as scary as you think it is. And and what's interesting is from what you were saying, for at least what I was hearing too, was it sounds like you've learned for yourself that you really have to push through the discomfort regardless of what it feels like in the moment. And while you may not know exactly where you're going or women making waves is going and where it will be in a year, you know, you know, you want to get there. And so a lot of it is about just to continue to push through that discomfort to get to the other side, whatever, whatever that might look like. Yeah. Um, and I think, how do I say this without generalizing too much, but I, I do think that, um, look, if it, if it felt terribly uncomfortable to the point where it didn't feel like it was, I was being true to myself because that is very much a new value that I hold true now to whatever I do, whatever endeavor I, I, uh, I seek to do. Um, I probably wouldn't have continued with women making waves, but the thing is there are days that are terribly low where I don't feel the inspiration or creativity to, you know, to come up with a new event, uh, a new event idea, or find the courage to reach out to people for, for new stories. Despite those days, there's still this like little flame inside that, uh, that's always kind of there. And that I listen to. Um, and I think that's very much true for everyone. I think we all have that little, some people call it the whisper. Uh, some people call it whatever they call it. Um, it's that little voice that, um, not the inner critic, the other one, <laughs> <laughs> There's the, two different voices. The, the voice one, that's encouraging the one, you. The one, yeah, the one that's telling you, you know, not not this way, that way. The yeah. one that we don't always want to listen to because maybe it means going against what's socially expected of us, kind of going against the grain or what we've always thought we would become. You know, I think we grow up with these big ideas. And the thing is like, yeah, I hate saying this, but life is a journey and you figure yourself out along the way. Um, and sometimes we turn out to be uh, very different from what we imagined ourselves to be. And that's okay. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And, and something I was just thinking about too is I think the process of learning how to be true to yourself is a whole other endeavor in itself. And yes. I think it's a totally different experience on the per on a personal level to create a company or a business or a platform or whatever it might be from a space of vulnerability where you are really being true to you to who you are versus creating something mm -hmm. where it's just you're straight putting out a product it's a business you know in the more traditional sense and and I think what's so interesting is when you were talking about those days where maybe you don't feel the creative flame you know the way that you would on another day I mm -hmm. think it really is a good reminder for all of us and for me too with this podcast that we're doing something that's coming from such a unique space. And I say unique in the sense because it's not something that people have been doing for hundreds of years and really coming from a space of vulnerability and authenticity and, and joy. And, and, and that's very scary. And I think all of that is relatively new. And so I think there are going to be days where you're kind of like, for me, I describe it as a vulnerability hangover where it's like, I feel like I've done too much. I put too much 
much of who I am out there. I feel I have moments where I feel uncomfortable and you kind of have to, in a way, rest for yourself so you can come back and put in, you know, a hundred percent again, because it takes a different kind of toll on your body when you come from that authentic space, especially in a society or a culture where maybe it's not understood or encouraged all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just going to go back. Yeah, what you were saying about it being very different than launching a product. I, I, to be honest, I, in a way, I wish I had this amazing product idea and then a startup idea. And then I would have left my job with something already in, you know, somewhat in place and then find the money and then launch this product. My story was about a major wake up call into understanding what I wanted, what, who I am, first of all, and what my emotional needs are. Yeah. This project is a result of that. So it doesn't necessarily mean that this project may turn into uh, a lucrative business. It may be, it may turn out to be that way, but, um, no, because I often find that some people will compare it to, at least in my circle Mm -hmm. of not necessarily friends, just my peers will be like, I think they compare it to, to a startup. They're like, okay, so what's the, what's the business plan? What's I'm like, right. it's very different. Sometimes it's kind of painful to have to explain that, that this, this personal journey because, well, because I think they see it as I left my corporate career to do a startup and to make money out of it. I mean, that's kind of like, you know, people are very rational. They don't understand that you can take pauses in life. I mean, yes, it may be a, it hard financially, but sometimes they're necessary if it, if, if you're, you've been dealing with, you know, emotional struggles, you know, then you have to go through that. Anyway, I, I don't, you know, I feel like I'm kind of going in on a tangent here, but, uh, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, sometimes that part is, uh, is, is hard to explain that, uh, not every creative project is necessarily a product that you're putting out there trying to market yeah. traditionally. This is a very, a very different kind of project. And it's a, I think it's a project that's really coming from, from the heart and from, from who you are. And and you talked a little bit about this earlier, just how women making waves was born out of this major wake up call that for that you had for yourself in your own life. And and so how have you really stayed true to yourself along the way? Well, that's, um, that's a really good question. How have I stayed true to myself? Well, it's meant having to sometimes let go of certain people and my environment, people who are not necessarily, how do I say this without sounding? No, but I've I've had to, I've had to push some people out of my life or not push them out, but stay away. Mm -hmm. Um, just because this is, this is a hard process to go through. Um, it's very introspective. It's dealing with a lot of shame, a lot of things that I've put been pushing away for years that in order to heal and overcome that while I create this project, not just for myself, but also doing this for a community of women, I need good energy. I need the kind of energy that allows me to thrive and, and, and to bring in other women that want to share their stories. Like it needs, I need to cultivate that. And so I've made a very conscious effort to to surround myself with the quote people, um, but basically people that make me feel good, that that get it, or if they don't get it, are curious about it. Um, but certainly remove the people who judge, um, and I have been judged. Yeah, that's that's been a major major point. So I, I've always, even though it was, I struggled in a corporate environment. I'm naturally someone who's very honest and and authentic. I, I, it's kind of in my nature to begin with. So that hasn't been too hard, but it's, it's really been my environment because we do look for connection with, uh, with people. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, we're, we're hardwired for that. Again, Brene Brown says that, you know, yeah. we're hardwired for connection. And, um, so we're naturally looking to connect with others, but, uh, so it's been that that's been the hardest because you think that sometimes the people who've meant a lot in your life, um, in the past are going to be there supporting you in, in these transitions, uh, in these phases of uncertainty. And sometimes they, you know, oddly, like the people that you didn't think would, would, you know, show up in your life to, to support you are, are the ones who support you. And the ones who you would expect to show up in your life are not necessarily there. I think for them, most is like, a. I think it scares them. I think it scares them to see that you can break away and do something that perhaps they would never dare to do. And so it's kind of like a a mirror effect. I don't know. I don't want to be the psychoanalyst now, you know, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I think it rings really true 
for a lot of people who are in this kind of situation, and I've certainly been in that in this situation many times in my life where I will start something new or go in a different direction or broaden my interest. And there are a lot of people who I have considered to be my closest friends who, who will not come out and be supportive or you kind of just stop hearing from them. And so I think part of being true to yourself is, is knowing, you know, whether or not a person or a situation or a place or a thing is still serving you or is still good for you and and filling you up. And if they're not, something has to change, but realizing that and then acting on that is so hard. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. It is very, very hard. Just kind of in the same vein of talking about staying true to yourself, because I know such an emphasis for, for women making waves is about getting to the core of who we really are. And so do you feel that you've really gotten to the core of who you are through building, you know, this platform? Well, I, I don't know how to fully define what is the core. I think it's a a feeling of being, having this energy. That's the way I describe it. Um, And I think I'm on this path of understanding it, but it would, I would lie if I'd say, if I said, you know, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm at the core of, of who I really, of who I am. I know I think I'm still in the process. Um, And the reason I think I'm still in the process is because when I give a talk or even now when I'm doing this podcast, it's not fully comfortable for me yet to open up about everything. I push myself to do it, but it's not innate. It's not. So I'm still, like you were saying earlier, pushing through the discomfort. Um, I don't know though, if, you know, two years, five years, 10 years down the road, I ever will be. So maybe this is it. (laughs) Um, and maybe I'm too critical and that's another thing I need to, to, to overcome, but the core getting to the core of who I am. I think I've done a lot of work though. I have to give myself credit. I have spent a lot of years. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I've, been through a lot of psychotherapy. Building this project was another way of, of doing the work myself. And then in September, so I'd given like women making waves a good four or five months of work. And I think I'd given myself this pressure that, okay, by September after the summer, I'm going to like have this amazing plan and it's going to become like, I don't know, the next media channel or the next, I don't know what, but it needed to be something huge. And, and, and it didn't, and then I didn't know what to do. September came around. <laughs> I was like, Ugh. So then I had this lull and why am I telling you this story? I think it's just to, um, <laughs> once again, uh, basically it's like, it's like I'm constantly being confronted, like, or I have these reminders to just, uh, just let it be Charlotte, just be in the present, accept where you're at, be comfortable with the uncertainty, just write it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's a process and I think there are days that are better and other days that are, you know, not as good. And, and that's that, you know, but gen- overall, I'd say, I mean, I have to ask other people because they stay, they're the ones who, who saw me, who see the before and after, uh, my husband being the first one. And he's the first to say, Oh, a year ago, you have no idea. And I think I, I, I think I somehow blocked that out. I can't even fully remember what it was like a year ago. So I think I I'm in a that. much better place. <laughs> Yeah, it, I think it's hard for ourselves to see the growth. I think that's where so many other people in our life come in because, you know, they'll point out to you what a difference a year makes. And, and I've had this experience too where it's like, what difference? I don't know what you're talking about because you go through your life with yourself every single day and and it's hard to step outside yourself and to see the change and to see the difference. And so I totally understand your experience, because I think that's definitely been mine as well. Yeah. But it's hard to face ourselves. It's, it really is. Yeah. But, and I think the hardest for me was, was having to see former colleagues, people who had seen me in the corporate environments where I had wanted, you know, at one point to become, I don't know, the next director of, I don't know what, you know, clearly wanting to be defined by titles and the companies I worked for and the glam and to be confronted with those former colleagues, I think is, um, is how I, is a way for me to measure myself. Cause when I'm with them, I would have thought that I would have been more uncomfortable and I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm, it's okay actually. And some of them have even said, you know, it's really brave what you're doing. You're really inspiring. And, and that's, and that's a really nice feeling actually, because those are the people that, well, the people I think were critic, you know, were the critics, but it was really just me criticizing me. But back in the day when I was working in the corporate world, those were the people I was competing with. Those were the people that I was measuring myself against. So when I see them today, yeah, it's, uh, it's not so bad. 
So I think I've made progress. <laughs> oh, totally. And I think it's really interesting too. I think there's sort of this dichotomy here where within the work that you're doing now with women making waves, you are really confronted with the need to be vulnerable. I mean, you hold these local events, you give talks, you have this beautiful platform online, and you're also interviewing different women who are who are also being vulnerable right alongside you. So you have that where you're directly being confronted by the need to yeah. be vulnerable. And then on the other hand, you have people from, I think, in a way, it's kind of like your former life, but not really, but, but kind of just a different stage of your life who... Mm-hmm reappear whenever you see them and and they're reminding you that what you're doing is is really great and you're having an impact and and what's so fascinating too is just based upon what you were saying before it sounds like by being vulnerable and stepping outside of yourself and taking that risk you're also in sort of a domino effect inspiring them not maybe they're not doing the same but at least to have the recognition and the understanding that it is possible and okay to to be vulnerable and and maybe it doesn't need to be that scary and so I think it's so interesting and I'm having this realization about myself too that you and I seem very similar and so we both have put ourselves we've come from a background of of fearing vulnerability or not being comfortable with it and directly putting ourselves in a space where it requires us to do so. And I think that is really fascinating. And it's, it's, my mind is like blowing up right now, but I just think that's really fascinating and really cool. And, and I think it's so interesting how the things that maybe we fear the most or, or we're afraid of, or we're scared of are the things that we really need and we really desire and that we really want to do. And, and it sounds like you've moved into that space or you're doing that in your life moving into the new year in in 2018 where do you really see yourself and and women making waves going you know just being in the space of of being vulnerable and and wanting to make those authentic connections so i've actually have made a decision to test myself in different ways um i started doing these events i didn't know if i'd like doing events i didn't know if i'd be relevant i didn't know if i'd be good at it so far, not so bad. So the idea is to keep creating these. So, cause I don't think I was very clear, but women making waves is several things. It's sharing personal stories of, um, of women. So creating this community online through these shared stories, but also through events that I organize locally. And so far I've done a couple in Paris. I did one in New York, uh, about two weeks ago now, because the idea is not to be a Franco-French platform, quite the contrary. Everything's in yeah. English. I want it to be international. And so I want to keep doing these events, but in other cities. So being in Paris, I'm looking to organize different events in different European cities, some maybe in the United States as well. Um, but for now, uh, I'm thinking London, Barcelona is in the books, um, and maybe some other cities as well. And finding an opportunity to... So the formats can be absolutely different. It doesn't have to be a talk every time, but creating these moments to for women to connect. And so it's, it's usually about being vulnerable and sharing our stories, but the topics can vary. But basically, so it's developing an event schedule for 2018. So that's going to be a big change versus 2017 which was more about creating the space online. So an actual website, creating a presence um, on social media and, and having women share their stories. Now I'm actually going to create more opportunities for women to meet in person and, and, and do that by partnering up with other organizations. That's awesome. What have you learned or what has the experience been like connecting with your community in person? So it's interesting that you ask that creating this kind of space and creating a community, one would think that I'm someone who naturally gravitates towards people. And I do, I am interested and curious, but I'm kind of shy, not always, but I can be. Yeah. I don't like necessarily being in the public eye. So there's this weird (laughs) tension where I'm like, okay, well, I think people kind of expect you to be that person who brings everyone together and to be connected with all these women. And, um, and that I'm actually struggling with. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what my role is, as being the founder and how I relate to other women. Um, when women share their stories online, I love reading them. I love putting them together. I love sharing them with the world or at least with the people within the community. Um, in person, it's very different because well, it's, it, it, it basically is teaching me how to be vulnerable in a whole new way because now I have people coming up to me asking me questions almost 
not that they're literally asking me to be their mentor or seeking advice, but I think I've been kind of put in this position where, okay, now I'm the expert on this. So it actually gives me a whole level of responsibility, um, that I didn't know I had, and I'm proud of it, but at the same time, it's, it's kind of scary. So these events are amazing for women to meet, but for me personally, it has, uh, it's been, it's pushed it basically pushes me to get yeah, to provide value um, and to help women in a very constructive way, which is very different than doing that online because I have more time and space to do it. There's something more immediate about doing it in person. Yeah, because when you're in person, I think it requires a lot more of you and, and requires you to have that personal interaction in the moment versus, you know, when something's online, I think there's a delay. And, and like you said, it's an immediate sort of reaction in the moment. And what yeah. I think is so cool about hosting an event in person is I think, and tell me if this resonates for you, but I think that it's a real moment of empowerment, both for yourself and for the women that you're speaking to. And and for you in your life, have you found that through empowering yourself, because I really do believe that you have empowered yourself with women making waves. Have you found that through empowering yourself, you've been able to empower the women that you come into contact with? Yeah. So I know I've talked a lot about my, myself, um, but this project isn't just about me and, and, um, and it is very much about other people. And if I came to the realization through the help of Brene Brown and other thought leaders and uh, psychotherapists and other coaches that I've I've um, met and discovered these last few years. It's really to this understanding that we're we're all not exactly the same, but we all we all deal with with shit. <laughs> Let's yeah. just put it this way: we all yeah. deal with crap, and no one wants to talk about it. And and I think that there's and and, and I know that there's other communities out there, and I know that people have benefited from, from being part of these communities. And when I've, you know, I've been reading about them, sometimes I, um, I follow them or some, I'm even a, a part of a few, a few communities myself. And they're so enriching because you, you mentioned this domino effect and creating a me too effect earlier. Um, it's, it's so much about that. I think we very much feel alone in our stories until it just takes one other person to say, Oh yeah, I know what you mean. And this, this thing about empathy is, is so powerful. I, I want people, because I know I'm not alone. I know there's so many other, and it's not just women, by the way. I focused on women just because I, I felt more comfortable targeting women to begin with. Yeah. But I, I, I do have a plan. I don't know when at some point for this to become women and men making waves. So I, I will get mm. there, just not yet. Uh, but yeah, this is definitely not just about me. Um, this is very much about, for now, women, other women basically saying it's okay if you if you're dealing with shit and this is a space where you can you can just let it out and and hopefully or maybe just maybe someone else some other woman might now you've empowered someone else to to own to own their story and it's not about these stories defining them it's just about owning them to then on from them. And that's all up to us to figure out. But um, in no way am I trying to say that these stories are, are defining us, but I think they also, I think they very much liberate us in a way. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think our stories are, I don't think it needs to define you in the sense that it dictates, you know, who you are in the world and what you do. But I do think going through different experiences and, and like you said, that are, are not great and everyone goes through crappy stuff. And, and so I think going through those experiences, just like you said, it's a way to liberate yourself. And at least in my life, the, the best moments and the experiences and the things that I've created and I'm the most proud of come out of those difficult situations where it wasn't easy and I had to work hard and I had to put myself out there in different ways and, and just push myself. I think those are really the moments in the stories in the storyline I've built for myself, I think mm -hmm. that I'm really the most proud of. And for you in, in your life, because it really is about showing up as you are and, and owning your story. And, and we did talk a little bit about empowering yourself and empowering others, but in your own work and what you're doing, what does that empowerment really look like for you? Or how would you define empowerment? Being, being true to yourself. Um, that's the biggest form of self-empowerment. I feel like it's, yeah, I, I don't know how else to say it. It's, um, when you own you, you've empowered yourself. Um, and, and that sounds really easy to say. I know it's a, it's a really hard path to get there, but, but yeah, being true to you, do you choose you all those hashtags. <laughs>
Yeah, that I agree. I think just being who you are and being true to yourself in your life, how, and we might've touched on this a little bit earlier, but how do you authentically show up in your own life? Well, um, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about choosing or choosing not to hang around certain people, but generally, yeah, I choose to hang around people who make me feel good and that bring out the best energy and I'm pretty intuitive so I can feel it. You know, there are certain environments where I just, so it's not just people. I'm sorry. It's also the environments that I'm in. There are certain places I, uh, I just feel like I can be more creative. Yeah. And so there are certain places I've stopped going to as well because they don't bring out the best in me. I've also, this is new, trying to tell people, trying to push myself to tell people I'm not very confrontational. I've never really been. And now I've been trying to push myself to when it's necessary, when it means something to me and it will have a positive impact on me, then I I try to tell people when things aren't working out or something's bothering me. And rather than just keeping it in, holding it in, and then two weeks, few months down the road, it's not even worth going back there because it's gone, it's past. So yeah, trying to confront people about um, things that upset me or, you know, aggravating. I also try not to sugarcoat things. I try to say it how it is. And that I think really allows me to have more meaningful, deeper connections with people. Yeah. Taking care of yourself in that way and, and setting those boundaries and knowing for yourself when a situation or a person or an environment doesn't feel good and and setting up that boundary for yourself. I think it really does allow you to be true to who you are and, and, and what it is that you're passionate about and what you want to do. And you weren't talking about passion, but passion just popped up in my mind. Would you say that building these connections, has it become a passion of yours or or what would you say in your life is your greatest passion? I don't know that I have a passion. I wish I could say that. Do you think that everyone has a passion? I I don't know. I don't know that I have one. I know that I love this topic. I know. So I guess maybe it is a passion. Um, sometimes I, sometimes I'm, it gets so deep that I get upset with it. Cause I'm just like, Oh, this is too much. I, I'm too, <laughs> my brain is constantly on. I need to disconnect. I just want to eat, yeah. fr- watch something stupid. Uh, <laughs> I watch a lot of, you know, airplane videos on YouTube. And so my husband thinks I have a passion for airplanes. And so he bought me these airplane books and I'm just like, that's hysterical. That's not my passion. He goes, yeah, yeah it is. We're going to go to the airport and we're going to go plane watch. I'm like, that oh is so weird. And you're like, <laughs> embarrassed and now look I just said it on your podcast no it's hysterical (laughs) but yeah that I think it's a good point I think I think for a lot of us understanding or realizing or getting in touch with what it is that we're passionate about uh is a loaded question and and I've been really fascinated to hear what people's responses are because I think for me in my life it's I'm on this path of discovering or understanding what my passion is. And, and so I think for some people it's very clear cut and for someone else it's, I don't know if it's a strong passion, but these are things that I I'm interested in. And so I think that's a really good point. I think for so many of us, I don't know if we even know. Yeah. I don't know. I I think, uh, I I don't think if you want, we can call it a passion. I I don't know that this is my passion. I know that I care. Let's just put it this way. I care about this mission. I care about people. I care about the way we feel and I care about impacting our culture, changing the way we perceive our emotions. We can talk about our broken bones openly, but we can't talk about our broken hearts. And that really is something Mm. that, yeah, I guess I, okay. You know what? Yes, I guess I am passionate about this. I mean, the way you talk about it and how you articulate yourself and I hear the passion come through and I think what you just said about how we talk about our broken bones, but we don't talk about our broken hearts. I, I just had to sit with that for a second because I think that is, that is so true and, and not talking about things that impact us on a deep level. And, and for so many of us, it's also about, you know, not talking about self-love and and honoring ourselves. And I really hope, you know, with what you're doing and what other people are doing, I really hope we move more strongly in that direction where we do talk about those things. It's accepted. It's it's understood yeah. and it's welcomed and encouraged. And I think it'll really allow all of us and, and future generations to really feel more comfortable and confident in, in who we are and what we bring to the table and Absolutely. not come from a space of fear. And, and I think it takes us the process of understanding and doing that for ourselves. And I love what you just said. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, just to, I a hundred percent agree with what you just said. And, uh, And hopefully we will see that change, maybe not when we're alive, I hope we do, but future generations, you know, at home, in the workplace, 
So I think the workplace is probably uh, one of the main areas where yeah. people feel like they can't ever be themselves. And it's also the one place where we spend the bulk of our lives. And that's a problem. Oh, but absolutely. I know, but I know that I can't change the way the workplace has changed. That's not, that's not where I feel like I can have the impact because the leaders of those companies are responsible for that. But how we right. educate people outside of those environments is important. Maybe changing the way we educate and parent our children. That for me is key. So that's just food for thought for myself where women making waves goes down the road. But yeah, it is an issue today. Um, I don't know what the stats are in France, but it's a pretty high number of people that are burning out. They literally use that word in France. I don't mm. even know if it's used in the United States to burn out. Um, it is, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's kind of become an epidemic. People here are... And they don't really tell you why. They just say, oh, burnout. And then the doctors will put you on a leave of absence for a couple of months. And then you just end up leaving your company during that leave of absence. And then we never oh, talk wow. about it. Never. We never yeah. talk about it. They can't talk about it. So, whew. I, just, I feel like I need to give oxygen to everyone in this room. I had to give myself oxygen, and then and now I feel like right. it's my role to find a way to give up, give oxygen to other people. Yeah, and I think that's a perfect way to describe it. And by educating ourselves and and others, and 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 making it a part of of society that it's okay and you need to be yourself. I think that will help infiltrate you know these different systems and and help to change them. And and what you just said about giving oxygen to yourself, you know, and giving it to others. It's, it's that analogy. And someone said this a couple weeks ago to me, but it's this analogy of when you're on the plane and they always say, you know, put the oxygen mask on yourself first and then you're able to help others. And I think it's yes. so applicable to Absolutely. everything that we've been talking about. And, and it sounds like really you've, you're in the process of giving yourself that oxygen, you know, so you can give it to others. And, and that's I'm, a very I'm good really, analogy. Whoever that person yeah. is, tell them that I agree, but I I, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's absolutely, uh, it's absolutely that it's, it's 100% that. And that, and that I think I, I don't know if I fully have the mox, the oxygen mask on my face, but I, I definitely feel like it's, I'm breathing a lot more than I did the previous years. And that already in itself is a huge change for me. And, and I want others to, to feel it too. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean having to, because I don't want the message to be leave your corporate jobs. I, that's right. not the message that I'm sending. It's finding what works for you. So understanding you first before, in order to understand what works for you. Understanding who you are and what's important to you and what you value and what you need in any of those circumstances. Yeah. I think, I think it can just change the game, you know, no matter what, situation you're in for you. And I don't know if we've talked about this. It just occurred to me, but for you, what does joy look like in your life now that you've moved out of that space where you were totally burned out, it sounds, and, and now you're, you're in a different space. So what has joy sort of evolved into and, and what does it look like in your yeah. life? So, um, I don't know that I use the word joy, uh, in my life, but I use the word fulfillment mm. because my life today is, is not a hundred percent it's not this constant state of, of happiness. It's, you know, I was telling you about being comfortable with the, with discomfort. Uh, and that's very much a part of my, of my life, but I, I consider myself much more fulfilled today. And the discomfort part is, is, is a part of that too. So I focus on, so I, I it's not that I focus on it, but I, I, I perceive my, my life today as, um, or at least the goal is to, is to be fulfilled. Um, and I think I am fulfilled without knowing what's to happen, yeah. uh, how I'm going to survive <laughs> these next few years, but I can't really worry about that. I really can't. I act, I literally can't actually, <laughs> there no. is no other way. And I think the way to find fulfillment every day is just by practicing being me. I mean, it comes back down to the same exact thing over and over again. I, I can't go back to where I was, where I, where I was disconnected, you know, where mind and body were totally disconnected, living things, living a life that just wasn't me. I, I can't do that. So I just, I have hope that this is the way and the only way. Yeah. And I think you can have that hope. And I think what I'm sort of learning and understanding is if it's something that fulfills you or brings you joy or, or excites you or, or what gets you out of bed in the morning, it, it really means you're on the right track and you may not know what it will look like in a year. I mean, this time last year, you probably had no idea you were going to be in the space that you're in now. And so I think there's a lot to be said for just kind of going with it and 
like you said, all we can do is be in the present moment. Unfortunately, I spend so much of my time trying to be in the future that I forget to be in the present moment, but you're so right. I mean, there's nothing else that we can do other than just be where we are right now. I mean, I hate to sound like a cliche, but you know, people often talk about practicing gratitude. I think that's a huge one. Um, I'm certainly, you know, I, I'm, I tend to be a little too negative and I, I have to, I, I can't forget what I have today. I have an amazing partner, uh, who supports me. I mean, really, um, yeah. I have some amazing friends granted that don't live in, in Paris, but I, but I have them. They're there. They've always been there. And that those connections are the kind of connections I feed off of. And they're amazing. And if they listen to this podcast, they know exactly who they are. Hmm. That that's incredible. Having the ability, and I have to thank the French government because I can't live the way I'm living without them. And the French who are listening to this are probably like ready to kill me now, but who cares? Um, (laughs) It's true. I don't think that. Well, let's 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 say it how it is. In the United States, you don't get the kind of welfare you get in France, Um, and I'm very grateful for that. Because had I not been given this, I probably wouldn't have taken this step. Or if I had, I probably done it differently. So it, it still would have been maybe a, still, there still would have been a positive outcome, but yeah, I went out without knowing. So I'm doing this really, uh, as a way to give myself the time that I need to build something that makes sense for me and discover myself along the way. And I have to be grateful for the French government because everyone needs money. Everyone needs a job to, to put food on the table, to pay for rent. I mean, those are, and I'm very aware of that. Yeah. Those are social, I mean, not not social, but they're obligations that we have to survive. Um, So I'm grateful. So yeah, practicing gratitude. Yeah. So I'm grateful for, uh, and my family, if they listen to this. I don't, I don't think they fully, I don't think they fully, fully get it, but I think they respect it and that I'm grateful for. Yeah. That's a great point. I think in your life, as you move through your journey and what it is that you're doing, everyone doesn't always have to understand it, but what's important is that they accept it and respect it if they're going to, you know, be in your life. And like you talked about earlier, I mean, the last thing you want to do is surround yourself by people who criticize you and, and you know, who, who put you down and don't support you in your dream and what it is that you want to do. And, and I love that piece about gratitude and, and just keeping those people in your life. Yeah. I think we have to remind ourselves, you know, uh, I happen to live in a beautiful city, uh, when the sun is out, not very often, it's even more beautiful. (laughs) There's food on the table. You know, I, I, I think we forget that these little moments count, you know? Oh, absolutely. And it's the little moments that add up. Yeah. Too, you know, that sustain you and, and keep you going. Absolutely. So for someone who is listening to this podcast and, and wants to do what you've done and create something they're passionate about and, and maybe step out from what it is they're doing and take that risk, what would be your biggest piece of advice? I, I think I mentioned this earlier, uh, or no, maybe I didn't, but basically I, I do want to say something about stepping out and doing, I, I don't think yeah. if you have this passion or maybe you've identified your passion already that you necessarily need to like leave your corporate job or or just cut everything out of your life, um, to follow your passion. I think I once learned this from, do you know, Elizabeth Gilbert? She's she's a very good friend. Yeah. And she gave this talk once where she compares, where she talks about the difference between a hobby, a job, a career, and a passion. And from that talk, I learned that your passion, not everyone, first of all, has a passion and that your passion I think everyone wants to transform their passion into into their career. And that's, that's very overwhelming. That's a very stressful thing to do. And because it may not work out that way for Elizabeth Gilbert, she just happened to eat, pray, love happened to pick up at some point. And that, and then from there she was able to, you know, make her passion, her career. But for the longest time she was waitressing, but still wrote books because she always loved writing, which was her passion. Um, so I think the first thing is that if you have a passion, I don't necessarily think, because I very much agree with Elizabeth Gilbert on this, you, you don't necessarily have to leave it all to, to make a lucrative business out of what you love. Uh, but finding time for it. Absolutely. But I think for, I actually wrote something for a magazine for about giving advice. I think I can really speak to people who are, you know, dissatisfied with, with their, their career in the same way I was, I felt no other option, but to leave. Um, it really was one of the situations. Otherwise, uh, I don't know what would have happened, but maybe I would have gone fired because I just wasn't there anymore. I was there without, I was like a ghost. 
And I think for, for those people, um, make sure you really understand the root cause of your dis- dissatisfaction, you know, and ask yourself the right questions and really dig deep inside of you. And I think, you know, some of the questions can be, you know, is it the culture of the organization? Is it a bad manager? Is it the lack of good leadership? Is it the job itself? Or is it a personal issue, like the lack of self-esteem and the lack of self-love that is driving this dissatisfaction? Um, And so I am no coach or psychotherapist, but I do think that seeking the help of a professional coach or a psychotherapist could be very, very useful um, in this phase. Um, to seek to seek clarity, you know, for your professional path, or if it's about you know gaining you know more self awareness. Um, and then I think, how do I put this? But finding what makes you tick in life and and doing more of that. Um, if you already know and you're already doing it, then that's great. Then just do more of it and maybe allocate more time to it. But yeah, there's I think there's the saying, yeah, do more of the things you like doing. And I think there's a good reason for that. Like that is because you naturally like those things. You and and you'll find out more about yourself in that process. And I think it'll be a good way for, for, for you to understand, you know, what it is that ignites you. Another piece of advice would be to, and this goes back to what we were saying earlier about if you are going to follow your passion and translate into a, a business down this, this path of, <laughs> of, you know, kind of just following your intuition without knowing about tomorrow, then accept the uncertainty and be patient. Um, and I know I'm preaching, you know, I, I feel like I, I'm not necessarily how do I what's the expression when you you don't follow what you what you preach uh practice what you preach is that what it is yeah so I'm not the, yeah. yeah I think that's what it is so I don't I'm not necess- I'm not the best person you know because I, I I always I don't necessarily practice what I preach but I'm trying to yeah. um it is very difficult to 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 keep moving forward without knowing what tomorrow looks like but again it's about that little flame that little whisper inside of you and if if it's there and it's telling you yes and and you know it like you don't need outside validation to get your go ahead you know it's just passing by the fear of what basically your inner critic it's getting over the fear of what others might think of you but it really comes down to you judging you if you get past that then just be okay with it being slow and messy and imperfect and keep doing and keep going yeah i think that's great advice just being okay with the discomfort and pushing through and 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 it's okay to not know what the next day brings and and also to get to to the root cause of what's going on with you and to spend that time you know, looking inward, I think more of us need to do it. And I love all that advice. I think it's a great perspective. And especially coming from where you are, and you spent that time and continue to spend that time looking inward and figuring out, you know, what makes you tick and what you're excited about and and where you want to go. What would you say is your biggest dream? I think it goes back to that last point I just mentioned about accepting the uncertainty. I think it's not a it's not the most beautiful dream. It's not, you know, uh, uh, it's not, I guess, what people would necessarily imagine, but because I'm still struggling with it. And I think yeah. it will, I think it's this idea of, so my ultimate goal is to have this inner peace and serenity, which I'm starting to have, but it's not always there. So I think my big dream is learning how to live in the uncertainty on a more consistent basis with the ups and downs and, and really being not just preaching it to be okay, but really living it because then I'll know I'll have reached some form of inner peace. I know it won't, it won't ever be perfect, but it needs to be a little bit more. It needs to feel more natural, kind of like it's innate. I want to get to that point where I'm past the learning phase and I've kind of, so I said learning, but actually it's not learning. It's really just living it, living, living to be okay with it on a constant basis. I think it's an attainable dream. I think you'll get there. I think it's just a matter of time and practice and, and I think uh, so yeah, too. putting it I into really practice. Do. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. This has been a great conversation. I yeah, so enjoy getting been, uh, to know you and to talk to you. Where can everyone find women making waves and, and get involved and, and join absolutely. your community? Well, women making waves. Uh, so the website is wmwclub.com, or if you type women making waves in Google, it should be number one. Now I've worked really hard on the SEO. And if <laughs> there are any women out there that um, want to share their stories, their short stories of uncertainty of truth, whatever it is, uh, I'd be more than happy for them to reach out to me through the website. You can click on contact or if you click on real talk all the way at the bottom, you can submit uh, a request to share a story uh, or I'll just give you my email and it's charlotte at wmwclub.com. 
And I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. But basically, if you type women making waves or WMW club, I'm pretty much there on Google, Instagram and Facebook. (laughs) Okay. And I will include all of the information for women making waves in the show notes for this episode. So it'll be so easy for people to find you and find all the information and, and, uh, to get involved. Because I think the more, the more of us who step into that space of vulnerability and authenticity and making those connections and, and being true to who we are, I think the better. And I'm so excited to have connected with you and, and to see, you know, everything that you're doing and what is so wonderful is the international perspective that I think you have. And, and I think you will take this with you on that international path and, and the more people in France. And oh, the, it's, the, the it's nice States. that you say that my, I, yo, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, it's no, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I, I, no, I just, I, 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 I just said it's absolutely uh, true what you say because I, I love this idea that, and I didn't say it to begin with, and I don't really promote it on my website, but I really have this, um, I love this idea that a woman in wherever in Australia could relate to a story of a woman somewhere in India could relate to the story of a woman in the United States or on some remote island. I mean, the internet obviously connects us in such an easy way today that, um, yeah, that's my hope. And and maybe that should have been my answer for my biggest dream, but because that's an even better dream than just being okay with being uncertain. Yeah. And I think it's breaking down those barriers and, and connecting all of us and reminding us that at a very basic level, we're all human and we all want that connection and, and reminding us ourselves of that is so important. I love it. I can see, I can see you going there. Thank you. Thank you for being on the podcast. Well, thank you so much. Hey guys, just a couple of quick housekeeping things before we go. First of all, I just want to make sure that you are subscribed to Seek the Joy podcast, either on Apple iTunes or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And if you could leave us a quick rating and or review on Apple iTunes, a huge goal of mine for 2018 is to spread the message of Seek the Joy podcast to as many people as I can. And a rating and or review on Apple iTunes will really help me do that so thank you in advance and the last thing before we go make sure you come back here on Thursday for the first episode in our new storytelling series I am so excited and I'm so excited and honored to share your stories in your words and I can't wait to hear your feedback so that's it have a wonderful rest of your day happy seek the joy Tuesday and I'll talk to you all very soon Mm -hmm.